a Podcast One production. Hi, I'm Nat Kringudis. And I'm Cecilia Ramsdale. Welcome to The Wellness Collective, a podcast where we invite you to be part of our wellness community to share, learn and live better. Whoa, here we are. I feel like we've been on the treadmill lately. <laughs> How hard is it to get the two of us in one place? It's Life. not. Hang on a minute. The sun is shining. The birds are singing. I'm not saying it's all bad. I'm just saying. I've just sat down and I'm breathing and yes. I'm like, whoa, yes. hello. There yes. we go. So you're good. I'm, I'm good. good. You're about to go away? Yes. As we record this um, episode of The Wellness Collective, you and I are both going to the US of eight and we're not going to the same place. It just no. happens to be that we're both going no. just it's not to the same place. It's unfortunate, but it will happen. I'm going to learn more about podcasting and you're going to learn more about health. See, it works very well for our podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone totally. wins. Anyway, wish me luck because I don't do anything apart from go to the supermarket by myself. So I'm going to Los Angeles for four <laughs> days and I'm kind of excited slash so, freaking out. This is the thing because, you know, you have children and then there's always going someone going, Mum, Mum, I'm hungry. Yeah. Are you going to miss that? No. Mum. I'm going to eat all the spicy things and all the things that they <laughs> wouldn't want and just just enjoy breathing and doing whatever That's I want. funny. Anyway. That's so funny. Speaking of mum, did you like I how I led into that? I did. Today <laughs> our episode is another one about fertility, babies, motherhood. You know what though? It's a topic that we keep coming back to. But there's so many angles, it just makes you feel more and more like we're all just normal and all just putting one foot in front of the other. We're going to title this episode Bad Mums. Ah, oh. <laughs> are we? <laughs> yeah. Okay, good. All right, we're going to let to it. We're going to let our guest introduce herself. Hello, everybody. <laughs> I am Nicole. Some might know me as Nicole Joy on social media. Um, and recently, I guess my title is Mum because I have just become a mum for the first time to my beautiful baby girl, Lucia. And she's three and a half months old at the time of this recording. I am an author, speaker, ex-teacher, all things health and wellness, really, but with a with a really good dose of realism and wine and chocolate and things that aren't always so good for us. Because things that are necessary. They are the things that are good for us, you know. They really are. It's soul food. Moderation soul is what we need to discuss more of, yes, not exactly. banning things. Mm-hmm. Come on, people. Mm-hmm. I love that. Welcome, Nicole. Thank you for being part of the Wellness Collective. Thank you for having me. So three months you've been a mother. Mm-hmm. Do you put it on your CV yet or are you still coming to terms with this new role that you've found yourself with? I have embraced it wholeheartedly. I'm, I, I even started a, a, a movement called Mama Full Stop with, with Mama on T-shirts because I'm just so invested in this role and it's just taken me on such a roller coaster. So I definitely am like, yep, I'm a mum. I'm putting that on my CV to tell everybody about it. I think that there's a bit of a cringiness about it sometimes where... You go through phases where it defines who you are if you're a mum and maybe when your babies are really little, like it's so all-consuming in your mind, you feel like it's consuming for everyone else too. So you feel like you go, I have to say that I'm a mum and that excuses the fact that I might not have matching clothes on today, matching shoes. Am I even outside of the house? Have I brushed my teeth in a week? I don't know, like all those things. (laughs) Uh, But then there's other times in your life where you don't want to be defined by that role of mum. So, yeah, it's really quite tricky. Well, look, to be honest, I was never 
super, super keen on having kids. Like I wasn't always like, I can't wait to have kids. Uh, Hubby and I were actually a little bit opposite going, oh my gosh, we have the best life. Like Mm -hmm. I do not want to give this up right now. And it wasn't until uh, we got married that I thought, you know, I'm hitting over 30, probably should think about falling pregnant sometime soon. And so we tried and it didn't work for us. And then that was, well, that was seven years ago (laughs) when we got married. And it, um, you know, when those things, when you can't have it, all of a sudden you really want Mm. it. And that's kind of how our journey evolved. It kind of started from, oh, well, I guess we should probably get pregnant because everyone else seems to. That's what you you do. That's Mm -hmm. what you do. But I definitely wasn't like, I can't wait to be a mother. And, but then, then it led me down a completely different path that I was not prepared for, uh, which was, yeah, a five year journey to, to becoming a (laughs) mum. Well, can we talk about that a little bit? Yes, yes, we can. <laughs> You're one so, of the first people I reached out to too. Uh, thank you. That's You know what? It's always such a honour to be able to help people. But mm. I think your story isn't, um, it's not um, unique, but it's unique to you obviously. And, you know, I think that the power in this is that when we talk about it, it's one of those, oh, me too, or oh, my mm-hmm. best friend. Or yeah. So let's talk about that. Tell us about yeah. your path into becoming, because I don't want to use the word journey because it's like, <laughs> oh. I, <know. laughs> I just think whenever someone says journey, that song Don't Stop Believing just comes into my <laughs> yes. head. I don't know about you. This is the end of The Sopranos. So no, we're so, funny. <laughs> so let's talk about that because I guess it didn't go the way that you had planned, like a story a lot of people have. Yeah, well, you know, being, I guess, in that health and wellness space, you know, you think, oh, well, I'll just get some acupuncture and use some essential oils and I'll fall pregnant. <laughs> and it'll be you good. I'm, wouldn't that be great? Yeah. And it's like, I don't need to use IVF. And look, we IVF was the last step. We, we tried everything beforehand. I mean, I had all the herbs and the tonics and the special diets and, you know, all that stuff. Like we did that for a few years. And I mean, I, we even got to a point where we looked into adoption because I was like, I'm not doing IVF and I think this, you know, might be a, a better well, in Australia, it's fairly hard to adopt. And we, uh, we found that just in our initial stages of investigating that it was just so like, whoa, this is it breaks your heart a little bit, doesn't oh, it? That it is so because difficult. Because there's so many people that are just dying to become parents and that are just such beautiful people that would create a beautiful home for a little person and they have to jump through hoops. And mm. I remember one day I was so angry. I think I can't remember what website I was on or what video I was watching, but they were saying how, you know, this little, let's call them an assessor comes in and basically walks around your house with a clipboard and pen going, oh, oh, no, that's not suitable for kids. Or, oh, you've got a dog. Oh, that's not suitable. Like just really, and I mean, that's judgment in its <laughs> top-level form. And I remember just screaming at the computer going, yes, it's not. Probably shouldn't swear on your podcast. Not bloody fair. We'll use bloody instead of what I said. And um, I, I don't know, I had this newfound oh, I'm not going to let the government stop me from becoming a mum. I'm going to try and I'm going to do this, you know, you know, and I know not everyone can. Um, they don't have that option. But I just, yeah, we, we went through all of the things. It was, it was. Um, <laughs> there's the word journey popping up again. <laughs> well, can someone create a new word? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did you at some stage, though, just decide that enough was enough? I mean, I was talking mm-hmm. to a friend of mine the other day and I found some information. She's been trying to have a baby and... She's at that stage where it's been a while and it's been rough. They haven't had the success they were hoping for. And 
I don't want to be that person that's like, have you tried this? Have you tried that? What about this person? And she just said, look, I'm starting to just think that so much of it is just rubbish because she's just not found that thing that's really resonated for her. And that's really tough because... You know, there isn't one size fits all for anything. And and at some stage, you are going to want to just give it away and try something mm. else, I suppose. Def- oh, I definitely got there. Um, and yeah, as you said, no two infertility journeys are alike. There's just so many complexities on both sides that, you know, so, so when people go, oh, I use this acupuncturist, mm. or I had this herb, or I did this, it's like, yeah, but your whole situation is completely different to mine. And Yes, I guess, you know, they're coming from a place that they're like, well, it worked for me. I really want it to work for you too. But when you're that person like your friend and everyone thinks that they yeah. have to give you their two cents worth, it gets really exhausting. And and I I remember a point where I was, um, I was going through counselling with it because I just was, it was like my lowest of lows. It was just, I didn't want to get out of bed. I was like, I don't, what's the point of exercising? What's the point of eating well? Nothing works. And um, I sat down and getting really deep straight away, but I sat down and started to write a letter to like my unborn child saying, I'm sorry, but I'm not going to be able to be your mum. And I think I got out that first line and just broke into like a million pieces. Mm. I, I sobbed so hard but it was the point that I realised that I really did want to want it. Whereas, you know, you get in that, especially if you've been through it for a long time, you, you, you're, you've got your defences up, you've got your guard up. When people say, have you fallen pregnant yet or have you tried this? You're like, it's okay. We, you know, we don't even want kids anyway. We've got a really busy <laughs> lifestyle. You know, you, you lie to yourself. And I think in that moment, I was just like so crystal clear, it, like I was writing it and I was like, no, no, I'm not giving up. No, 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 I'm going to do this. And then that's when we sort of re-looked at our options for, for IVF and still had that, you know, and it still does have that stigma attached to it, particularly if you do find yourself in the health and wellness space. It's like, you know, you bang on about clean products and clean this and this <laughs> and this. You should be able to fall pregnant without, without IVF. And I was feeling that. And um, it wasn't until... I read Dying to Be Me by Anita Morjani. It's about a lady that goes through like stage four cancer, had tumours the size of lemons throughout her whole body and was just fighting the system, you know, scared of the chemo, scared of the the medicines and all of that. She had this out-of-body experience, near-death experience and realised that nothing could hurt her if she didn't let it. Like these, if her mind was going to say the chemo is going to be worse than it is better, then that's what's going to happen. But if she sort of goes, you know what, this is, this is just helping me. And I know I'm really paraphrasing here, but <laughs> it was a, a book that I read this, this, there was one page where she said, she looked up at the, the drip that was going into her arm, obviously the chemo stuff, I guess. And it had like the, the skull poison thing on it. And she said, prior to her near-death experience, she would have looked at that and went, oh, my God, I can't have this running through my body. This is going to make me even sicker. But after she had that experience, she sort of looked up and went, oh, yeah, I don't know. Mm. And, just, and she, I think her, heal, like her healing happened in like, I don't know, four, four or six weeks. She went from having these massive tumours to like nothing. And I read this book and went, that's the perception that I need to change. I need to stop looking at IVF as this god-awful drug that is going to make me sick and make me crazy because a lot of the time, and I get it, everyone has different experiences, 
all you hear about the hormones are going to make you crazy. You're going to put on heaps of weight. It's really awful injecting yourself. And all I heard was negative, 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 negative. So I thought, no, we're going to stop this. So I didn't even refer to my drugs as drugs. I called them my baby making lollies. I'd sit down with <laughs> um, sit down with hubby in the morning and like make it this ritual of, okay, babe, come and help me. You know, this is how we're getting to meet our baby and sit down and like, you know, inject myself and do all these things. And for me, it just made the biggest difference because by and large, my IVF experience, obviously I was very blessed. We, we fell pregnant the first go, but it was a positive experience. Like I don't, I, I didn't go crazy with hormones. I didn't, I didn't lose my shit. I, I just, I think I remember having a really intense headache on day one of the injections and a massive red meat craving. Like I was like, I need steak. And I hadn't eaten steak in I don't know how long. And I sent Harvey to the shops. I went, I need organic grass-fed steak. I want you to slice it thinly, put it on the barbie, salt and pepper, bit of lemon juice. He's like, all right. He went down, did it for me. And I I think I ate a whole cat. Like a like, woman. Yes. And it felt so good. Like, oh my gosh, I still remember that that meal. It was just like, I am listening to my body right now. And that's basically what I've been doing ever since. You need to surrender to what is. So speaking of that, then you fell pregnant, which was amazing. And mm. then I think that's probably what prompted you to create your podcast, Becoming Mum. Yes. And then I guess, again, you might have had it in your head that that was going to go a certain way. Your birth sure was going to go a certain way. <laughs> and then beyond that, so tell us about that mm. journey. No, did not <laughs> go anything to plan. No, it was complete opposite. Um, I did prepare for it the way that I wanted to. Like I did a, uh, a hypnobirthing course with Hypnobirthing Australia and I really liked theirs because it wasn't just for vaginal delivery. Like they even had cesarean hypnobirthing courses and they, it was more the education. Like the education I received in that four week little course was like, how did I not know that's what my uterus like does? But why would you? This is the thing, right? You don't think about it in that way until it's actually a reality that that, that has to come into play at some stage. Yeah, of course. So it was just, it was really eye opening. And I was just like, oh, wow. So, you know, going through all the stages of labor and the science behind things and the, you know, the knock on effect of the hormones. And it was just, it was fascinating. So I actually went into birth very well prepared in that I, I didn't, I know it didn't go to plan, which I'll get to in a sec, but I never felt scared. I was never like fearful. I was never like, what's happening to me? What are they doing? There was none of that, which I feel very grateful for. You know, I look on, look back on a few things that happened and how long it went for. And I'm like, "Mm." if I could go back, I would have been like, okay, if at seven, eight hours, you haven't still progressed, do something about it. Don't wait until 16 hours, which is what I did. So we had a 16 hour labor, um, Everything went beautifully at the start. Well, you know, I had my oils and I mm-hmm. was just Enya. Had your Enya and your yeah, yeah, diffusers. Yeah, I actually did. No. I <laughs> Not Enya, but, you know, I had beautiful chanting music. This was at home. So I had the music, I had the candles, I had the oils. But then sort of three hours into that, I remember going to the toilet and I was like, now that's a fair amount of blood. I don't know that that's normal. And uh, as you do, take a picture of it, send it to your midwife. And she went, ooh, uh, I'm not sure about that. She said, I'll meet you in the hospital um, and, you know, we'll just monitor it. So I was kind of thinking, oh, well, we'll just go have a look and I'll probably be home. Yeah, I didn't go home. <laughs> so they, they checked and they were like, mm, this is not good. This is either coming from you, her, or your placenta. So either way, you need to stay. So I was like, oh, okay. Um, still not too concerned at that point. She was fully posterior though. 
So nice. we were concerned. Nice. Thanks. Yeah, I know. <laughs> thanks. Thanks, Chi Chi. Thanks for that. So I went in when they were doing the the check. Yeah, all all feet and legs at the st- at the at the front. Um, and then they said you can't have a water birth. When they said that, that's when I was like, oh, no, because I just kept thinking, if I can't have a water birth, I'm going to be on my back, legs in stirrups. You know, all the stereotypical mm. ways that you don't want to be. But I could be in the shower. Oh, that's right, because. She's got so much hair. The scalp heart monitor that had to go up through on her head kept falling off. <laughs> oh, no. so, much hair. so they had to keep, of course, in the middle of contraction, reinsert that. <laughs> and so prior to that, though, they had to break my waters. And pretty much from that point onwards, it was like every few minutes. I've never been so vocal in my life. I've heard about this whole, you know, this animalistic surge comes over you and you don't even recognise the noises coming out of you. I was so loud. If there was someone thinking about having a baby outside of my room that would have listened to me, I'm sure as hell that they would never have a baby <laughs> after listening to me. And it wasn't like the, I mean, yes, it was painful and uncomfortable, but it was that that wasn't where most of the noise, the noise was just to get me sort of through it. It was crazy. I, yeah. So, do you know, I had a friend say to me not long before I had my first baby, she said, I don't care what anyone says to you. That is not natural. <laughs> she was like, same. She's like, the noises, it, you're like an animal. It is. Yeah. It, it, she's like, no, no, no. It was crazy. It, 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 yeah. And my poor husband's like sitting there oh, next yes. to me, like couldn't do a thing. Oh, yes. And, and I'm just like, like oh, so, <laughs> so it didn't end, I'm guessing, not guessing, I know. but no, it didn't. Chi-Chi came out didn't. the sunroof? Yeah. No, she didn't. Oh, um, episiotomy and forceps. Right. So, Sorry, yeah, I actually so, thought it was cesarean. All right. Yeah, so, well, funny you should say that because with all the pelvic floor issues I've, I'm having because I pushed for so long, I kind of wish that she did come out of the sunroof. And that's the thing too that, yes, of course vaginal delivery is good for baby, right, but there are times when mm. it's really not. And I don't think I understood that until I was in the position where, okay, I've been pushing, like I actively pushed for like three hours. So yeah. did I. Yeah. It's the worst. Is, isn't it the worst? Yes, and I'm it like, really this is. is. So, but I think that I had the, f- I just, so let's just, full disclosure, whatever, let's just let it all out there. Sorry for anyone that's about to have a baby. I remember in our, my, our, our birthing classes helps. seeing pictures of the posterior side of a woman as she was having the baby. So, not oh. just before the crowning, and I noticed yeah. that her anus was inside out. And I'm like, oh, oh wow. my God, if that happens to me, <laughs> I am go- I was so scared of I that. I was so fixated here. on that. I was fixated on that. That's wow. all I could think about. And I kept thinking, I just don't want hemorrhoids. I just don't want hemorrhoids. Mm. Then, of course, because psychologically, I was like, I don't, I, I didn't want, mm. I mean, I was in labour for so, so long. But... Three hours of pushing results in hemorrhoids. many hemorrhoids, <laughs> not just one, many. And you know what? I knew that they were there. I knew they were there, but I was like pretending that they weren't. And then the midwife comes around to check you at home. This is like five or six days later. And she's like, oh, are they bothering you? And I'm like, what? And she's like, you've got about nine hemorrhoids. And I'm like, oh, wow. And it was like instant, instantly 
throbbing down there. It was like until yeah. that point that I was not paying attention to it, it was like yeah. I was like I knew that they were there. But anyway, point is that I've known you a long time and I just feel like we're just a bit closer now. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> but silly because it just I had it I was so fixated on that one thing. But don't you think that comes back to what Nicole was saying about how powerful your mind yes. is? I mean, yes. I ended up in a situation where I had the sunroof emergency the first yes. time round, and I reckon a big part of it was I just wasn't mentally prepared for how it was all going to play no, out. No, but I truly say this to patients now, and I'll put this on the record. Yeah. I've had a vaginal delivery, which was, a, a, my, that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> then yeah. I had Geordie, emergency caesarean, um, another story. And if I was to have another baby... <laughs> And I obviously help women have babies naturally. I would go in there and go, give me the whole kit and caboodle because yeah, I, it's too. in my head that it's something to do with the pain, I think. Mm. And and it, I know some women it's not painful for, but if you're in labour for 26 hours, there is pain well, in that. Well, it's the exhaustion exactly. factor right? too. Totally, and I was exhausted. Oh, I was yeah. malnourished. I'd been in labour for so long. I hadn't eaten for days on end. And so the cascade of that was the recovery was awful. Mm-hmm. And there are women out there that fully embrace it, that have their six-hour labour, that go yeah. home that day, that, exactly. that sit down that night to a, a, you know, they can sit down. I couldn't sit <laughs> yeah, down. Exactly. I couldn't sit down. I wonder why. I couldn't sit down. And, and, you know, I think that that's what needs to be spoken about. And it's different for everybody. Right. But, you know, I I mean, people in my industry would be like horrified that I'm sitting there going, you should go and have all the drugs. I'm not saying that. But I know Mm. for me, I don't think I would have a 26-hour labour or whatever it was if I had gone in there and done that. And I know that there's a risk that will cascade into a a Mm. caesarean, but I had one anyway. So, you know. I think at the end of the day too, it's good to have the conversation about just being healthy and alive at the end of the the program. Yes. And and using that. And mum in good health too because, you know, so many people, and you hear it all the time, oh, you know, at the end of the day you just want a healthy baby. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, you need a healthy mum too. Mm -hmm. Like let's look after mum. And, and yeah, as you said, it's so different for everybody. And, look, I've got friends that have those five or six-hour, you know, drug-free vaginal deliveries and it's blissful for them. Like they literally can't wait to have another baby. I'm not saying that that's not a possibility but... Mm. If you go in open-minded, because look, if your baby's in the right position, if your baby's not a nine-pound eight baby like Lucia was, like they get stuck or you've got the, you know, the fail to progress in that second stage, then yeah, you can do that short one. But if you get to that point and don't hang on to that, I have to have this, you know, vaginally, you're not going to get a bloody medal at the end of it. Like there's there's nothing that comes up that says you're a better mum because you had a vaginal delivery. But let's talk about pelvic floor. Like that, that floored me. No pun intended. <laughs> you can't go on a trampoline for the next seven years. I'm oh, just or and you. beyond that, beyond. Let me tell you. No, yeah. no, I went on seven years and I felt pretty good. Oh, you did. It took seven years. Good times. <laughs> good times. Seven. But, you know, no one talks about that. They say, yeah. oh, that's just part and parcel of it. And, I mean, I'm working with an amazing women's health physio now. But she said to me, she still says, she goes, yes, that's awesome, but it may not ever go back to the way it used to be. You may need to wear a pessary for life when you exercise. You had the big baby, you had forceps and you had posterior. Like you had, or and plus, you know, I was nearly 37, so age played into it as well. Geriatric. I love that. Yeah, I'm a geriatric. Oh, that's so funny. Hey, um, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back after this. Here on the Wellness Collective, we're talking about 
being a bad mum. Haven't got to that bit yet. I know, haven't got to that bit yet. <laughs> Looking forward to that. I know, that bit. right? We are. Nicole We're getting there. Joy is joining us, and yeah, we've had a lot of graphic discussion so far in this episode <laughs> about the joys of you know popping babies out into the world, oh. which. It's truth. Let's just face it. Just well, it's reality and I don't think we speak about it enough. I think we sugarcoat it and there's all different variations of however it happens for you and that's, I think, the important part of having the conversation. Before we move on to, I just want to say, when I was uh, expecting my second baby, I was doing yoga. I might have spoken about this before, but I knew I was having a planned caesarean for most of my pregnancy, but I still wanted to do the yoga. And it, I loved the yoga because it was like AA for pregnant women. You'd go around the go around the circle and you go, "Hi, I'm 16 weeks, and my ankles are a bit sore. I felt the baby move." <laughs> la, 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 la. You know, around the, around yes. the thing. Where'd you go? Got to me and I said, "I'm having a planned Caesar." <gasps> it was like. You could have heard a pin drop yeah, like, why in you? the room. It, the judgment, the, the like boring into. I mean, I didn't care because I was like, yep, I know why I've made that decision. It's my second baby and I've been around the block, so this is what I've chosen. <laughs> For me, it's fine, but, oh, it was so funny because oh. there was a lot of, you know, in the bath, in the lounge room or the paddling pool in the lounge room kind of ideas that were going around. And, and that's fine if they work, but if they don't, you know, the consequences are that that can affect people's mental health. Yeah, totally. I was always I was always scared of a home birth because who cleans the mess up? <laughs> yeah. I was like, who's going to do all that? I just want to go somewhere. Yep. They can fix it. I don't want to poop in the laundry. <laughs> but let's talk a little bit then about beyond that. So, you know, your birth didn't go to plan. So I think moral of the story is birth plans don't necessarily go to plan. We know that. Um, and then beyond that, let's talk through your next hurdle that mm. you had to get over. So the next hurdle was... Breastfeeding is not as easy as everyone makes it out to <laughs> I would actually go on the record as saying that breastfeeding is the hardest thing I've ever done. Oh, really? Yeah. Absolutely. I've like, heard that so a lot. hard. Yeah. Like, I mean, once it's established, but I just don't think there's so many. This is one someone, my, my midwife once said to me, you have no idea what you're doing. The baby has no idea what she's doing. It's sure. like the perfect disaster. <laughs> and I don't yeah. think we have enough time with someone to show us consistently how to do it. I mean, I literally, I tell the story of going home with Olivia. She cried all night oh, you long. you didn't know she was hungry, did I you? didn't know she was hungry. I didn't feed her the whole night. I didn't even think about it. I was just like, what is wrong with this child? Every time I pick her up, she stopped crying. Every time I put her down, she'd cry again. She was starving. I didn't know. I've never yeah. had a baby before. <laughs> and so, of course, that has, comes with other challenges because your milk doesn't come in and then they're starving mm. and then it's just... So... I know when my sister had her baby, I was there for the whole thing. She had not a, an issue at all with breastfeeding, but every single feed, I helped her latch on every single feed yeah. for the first week. Now, that I think is, is and again, you may, may or may not get there, but we don't have that support that we once would have had in a yeah, village. Exactly. We just don't. And I think that's what becomes really hard. But I would say it's the hardest thing I've ever done. Yeah, it was definitely the... After birth, I was not prepared for that happening to us. I just thought, oh, well, you know, put her on the boob, she'll be great. No, no, no. Well, my milk never really came in. So because I had, I think I lost about a litre of blood with the episiotomy. So we ended up getting colostrum. But that stuff is like liquid gold when you don't have much. And me, if you could have seen a video of my <laughs> hubby and I literally syringing it out and like, I'm like, don't drop it. And like trying to get like the tiny little bit that was collected on the pump. And like, we were like, this is gold, you can't stop this. So 
I was getting, and we thought, here's the funny thing, we thought we were killing it when I was getting like half a mil. Then we go to the breastfeeding class at the hospital and they're like, so at this stage you should be getting about five to ten mils each time and we've just gone, oh, God, no wonder she's crying. Fail, she, yeah. uh, She's hungry. Or you feel so, like a fail, yeah. Oh, mass, it, huge, huge. And, yeah, going back to what you said, Nat, if you want to breastfeed, one, I hope it does go beautifully for you, but two, if it doesn't and it probably won't, get help like the whole time, get a lactation consultant that you've got with you for the first week, like spend that money. If you, if breastfeeding is important to you and you want to get it done and you're having issues, don't think you can push through the pain and all like that, that I had a, a lady on the podcast last week and she was like such an old wives tale of like, it will hurt because if they're latched on properly, it will not hurt. Yeah. It'll feel odd. Of course, at the start, you know, a human sucking on your boobs. So it's not going to feel like an everyday experience. <laughs> but, <laughs> <laughs> so, but, and, this, and this lady, Michelle was amazing with me because I, she wasn't, Lucia wasn't latching properly um, because because she was posterior, she had a head flexed the whole time in the labour as well. So she couldn't actually open a jaw properly until we took her to an osteo. Once we got that happening, she could definitely latch more, but then I, I just didn't have the milk. You know, I went on motilium. Again, another thing, oh, natural person going on drugs. Um, that didn't work. I was on that for nearly two weeks and I never once had the feeling of milk coming in. I did the bone broth, I did the Chinese herbs, I did like all, all the things. I did, I did everything and it just, I think one one day my right boob kind of felt a bit hard, big-ish. Like it did, I never had the, because everyone's like, oh, it's like a Pamela Anderson moment. You like look in the mirror and you've got these huge big boobs. So I was really looking forward to that. <laughs> Concrete boobies, yeah. Never happened. Um, so I think another yeah. thing to remember too is even if you don't have those issues where you get supply and everything, it does take about six weeks for it to mm-hmm. actually settle into a rhythm. And six weeks in our life is like an eternity, Especially right? Especially at that yeah. time. It yeah. definitely Especially is an eternity. Deprived. Yeah, like, yeah. Absolutely. You know, absolutely. So you're up and down and you've got Pamela Anderson one day and then, <laughs> you know, floppy chicken... <laughs> Chicken fillets the next, so it's it's floppy challenging. Yeah, I've still got the floppy chicken. <laughs> yeah, well, well, it goes like that after. Anyway, so with all of this, obviously you've had to probably deal with two things. Not only what you feel like is the judgment of other people, but the judgment that you would have on yourself. Oh yeah, as we do as as mothers, and you know, how do you talk to that? What do you what What do we do to change this? Because we are all exposed to both those things. Mm. For yourself, like the, the internal dialogue that you have with yourself, I think in those early days is so crucial. And if you've never been someone to be able to differentiate between your ego, like mean girl, whatever you want to call it, and like the real true self, I don't think at that stage is the time to <laughs> learn how to do it. No. Um, so that's, you know, the work that you do before pregnancy is going to help you into motherhood for sure. And so I, look, I did have those feelings sometimes like looking down at Lucia and she's like pulling on my boob, so frustrated because there was nothing there. And I remember just bawling, going, I'm so sorry. Then I said to her, like, I'm failing. Like I can't do the one thing that a mum's supposed to do, you know. And that, that dialogue would go off for a little bit, but then I'd be like, no. Like I would just, you'd just stop it. And I had my mum, I had my um, amazing husband here. I had some good friends that knew that I was going, Nat, Nat was texting me like all beautiful things. So I, ha- I was surrounded by a good little tribe that was like, hey, you do what you need to do. It's got nothing on you. Um, so I feel like 
that was okay for me to do. I had my hard times, but I, I can differentiate between that's not helpful and, you know, the real, the real truth of the matter. When it comes from other people though, um, and guess, you know, having a, a, a little bit of a profile and being so open on my Instagram account, I guess I opened myself up to the opinions of others. I still can't believe some of the messages that I got. <laughs> One the other day told me that I was in denial um, about everything that's happened to me. That's why I don't uh, that's why I've gone, oh, that's right, apparently I'm too negative and aggressive now. Um, Hilarious. Yeah, because I'm in denial. But um, <laughs> It just gives I people the loads. liberty though, doesn't it? Just they think oh. that they have a right to say mm. dumb stuff. Yeah. Like yeah. truly. Really, really <laughs> shitty stuff. Yeah, and like really mean it. stuff. But then you kind of, you, my latest thing is I've just started replying stupid things back. Like <laughs> yes. someone said something the other day. Um, that was really offensive, and I wrote back, good times. <laughs> that's all I wrote back. So that really confuses them. Yeah, it's like, because, you know, it. and that's the thing, but I think it's important to recognise that nobody knows anything really about you unless you're in constant contact with them. So, exactly. you know, for, for mothers that are listening, and, and some of us are better at shutting down the BS than others, mm-hmm. you know, it, it really is about just finding your way and being strong in what you're doing and nobody, you know, nobody can tell you what that is. Nobody knows. I remember co-sleeping with Livy and just hiding it because it was such a taboo thing to do, you know. It was like, and I remember my husband saying to me, she's not going to grow another arm if we put her in our bed. And she was an awful sleeper and I was exhausted. Yeah. And it was was literally probably she was about six months where before I actually accepted we were co-sleeping. I, I resisted the fact. I'm like, no, we're not. No, we're not. We're not co-sleeping. But I would fall asleep feeding her and she fed nonstop. So mm. point being is at about the six-month mark when he gave me permission to do what I felt was right for us as a family, mm. that it was it just got better. I was like, you yeah. know what? I don't really care what anyone else says because you're, yeah. not, you're not up in the middle of the night. And, exactly. and you know. It's not anyone's business how a mum births a child, how they feed their child, how they sleep, like whatever works for you. And and I think if you're someone out there that likes to give your two cents worth to people, you need to check yourself mm. because it doesn't, it does not help. I just want to say, we all almost break our children at some stage. Oh, over and over again. You know, really like even, like- even just recently, my husband and I sent our son to school. He's nine. Sent him to school with like two things in his lunchbox because we had a communication breakdown where I thought he was doing the lunch and he thought I was doing the lunch. So the poor kid nearly starved to death during the day. So, you know, nearly broken. He's fine. It's just He's one right. day. But yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, it all we all do things, yeah. especially yeah. when they're tiny and you're working it out. Mm. Did you have that person that um, said, "Oh gosh, we've all been there. Don't worry about it." Yeah, I did. The 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 lactation consultant slash midwife slash amazing nurse that I've been working with uh, said to me that it's no one else's business. You do you, and there's there's no one way to do anything. No. And that really stuck with me. It's like, no, you know what? That's so true. Like clearly if people are giving you slack about it, they obviously haven't been in your shoes. Or there's something that's resonating with them that they're not Triggering them. That, yes. yes. So, yeah. um, I'm really big on this at the moment. And my husband said it back to me the other day and I was like, oh, that's good. He listened. I'm like, I'm really big on this idea that someone might have an opinion, but that's what it is. It's their opinion. And if Mm. it is helpful to you, their opinion, then take it on board. If it's not helpful to you, just don't worry about it. Yeah, exactly. Because often people's opinions 
are simply that. All right. Absolutely. Nat's excited. She's found herself found, a new review. I we need to wrap up funny this Funny reviews. We do. We could talk about this to, for, forever. But, I mean, the moral of the story is you're not a bad mum regardless because yeah. you're always doing your best and you're, you're always a mom. Like, that's you're a, a mum. You're winning because you've got yeah. to be your mum. And yeah. for those that are wanting to be a mum, you know, I always just say, it's you know, that's what I say to everybody. It's your turn next. Like let's mm. let's work out what how to make that happen in any way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. But here's to it being your turn next. Yes. Um, thank you so much. Hey, I want to read out a couple of reviews because right. they've got some funny ones here. Okay, actually, good. I have to say. <laughs> so, this person, Chris Lyons Oz, says, listening to the podcast with my wife guesting when she calls me on the phone. I'm used to her interrupting me, but this was the first time she interrupted herself. That's Lucy's <laughs> husband. Lucy wow, was so one of our, I know, he's like, great podcast, by the way. But there's one more. And you know what? This is what I love also, that someone's listened to us read out their review and they've come back and left another review. Yeah, um, we obviously love it when people leave reviews, so please um, don't f- feel shy to do that. No, Tell no. us what you think. It's, it's really helpful to us. Very helpful. And we do, we absolutely love five stars the most. In fact, if, mm. if there's anything less, don't worry about it. If you're going to get <laughs> the trouble. I was going to say, is there anything less than five? Well, we, have, we have a couple of uh, fours. It's like, oh. listen, just go one more. Just <laughs> oh, the ante. We love it. Okay. Do you remember, the, um, I don't know which episode it was, but we read out that someone had purchased my book? Yes. Okay, so yes, they've come back. They've come back oh, again. Very good. I've is... ordered your book, Beautiful You, and we'll pass it on to my daughters to read and I'll keep it for my grandma. Um, granddaughter. <laughs> I don't think granddaughter. grandma needs it. P.S. I had to chuckle when I heard you read my review. And yes, I've listened to your podcast from the beginning to the end and we're waiting for the next. You two ladies are great to listen to with so much invaluable information with much food for thought. Thank you both. Oh, she came you. back again. That's, that's I think Rick we'll have anyone yeah, back again thanks. for a review because, well... It just makes us look good when there's lots of. It's <laughs> not true. It's, well, it is really hard when you don't know what people like on the other side of the microphone what they think. So well, there's nice, many reasons we nice love reviews. We love to have your feedback, but we also like the podcast to look good. Let's be honest. You're hilarious. Yeah. It's true. This girl. Yeah, is we all hilarious. know that. Yeah. Hey, Nicole. What a joy. To meet you. Um, people can find Becoming Mum on um, iTunes, obviously, yes. and well, you're on Instagram. Instagram, yeah, that's pretty much my home on social. Yes. So at Nicole Joy Inspire. Amazing. Thank you so much, Thank Cecilia. You. Safe travels. Thank you. Yep. Have I'm a one on the plane or six. Big girl things. <laughs> Big girl things. That's <laughs> my, my advice to pass out. Yeah. No, I'm joking. We don't have six wines on planes. I'm no, joking. No, no, I've got too much work to do when I, I get know. there. Yes, exactly. Work the room. Hit, hit the ground running. Until next time. We do hope this episode has left you feeling happier, healthier, and better. 